Well, you had to expect that we would have this kind of title because everyone's having their play on words for the OnePlus model this week, and we're just going to chime right in. Okay. But before we get into the actual product that they launched, uh, I actually have somewhat of a intriguing question here, and I feel like it's time has come. So with okay. everyone trying to adjust and convert over to USB-C due to the EU, do you think it's time that we have a universal charger for smartwatches. And I mean, I, I, I guess I would correct, I would clarify that by saying smartwatches and not trackers, because I feel like trackers will always have unique chargers because they're a different format. Yeah. You mean like something like uh, that Apple has where it's just a little... Anything. Yeah. Anything yeah. from the Galaxy watch to an Apple watch to a Pixel watch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. I don't know. Because you, you think the easiest answer would be yes. That way you wouldn't be spending a whole lot of money. However... And maybe I'm thinking about this incorrectly, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel You're like... You're Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I feel like with watches, that's a little bit different than phones, because generally speaking, it's not that difficult to have a basic port in every single phone, which is why I've always wondered for years why it took Apple so stinking long to add USB-C finally, but... With watches, I don't know, I feel like there's a little more lenience on those, mainly because maybe that particular watch needs that type of charger or, you know, every watch needs its own for markets marketing sake. I don't have as much of an issue with there being different, uh, like a plethora of watches in this ecosystem of technology. However, I can also see why most and maybe you as well i would think um might argue for there being a universal watch charger well i realize that not everyone is like me because mm -hmm. i've got like three chargers here i've got a samsung galaxy yeah, charger from the watch i've got a pixel watch charger and i've got an apple watch charger so <laughs> i've got all this stuff and i actually saw an art this that wasn't prompted for me specifically i actually saw an article about this and I kind of had to ask this question. I'm like, well, why haven't we gotten there yet? Because I feel like, you know, with the sensors that are on the bottom and stuff like that and having the typical coil that goes around the bottom to make it wirelessly charged, how, like, how difficult would it, like kind of what you're saying, how difficult would it be to just make it a universal? Oh, yeah. I think it'd be very simple. Clip to it. So that's, I mean, it's it's not like I'm saying this is coming soon or I, it needs to come soon. I wish it would come, but it mm -hmm. just kind of makes you think in like, what would it take? Is it too difficult? Is it something kind of like what you were saying? Is it necessary? Uh, I see where you're coming from because your perception often, well, first off, it's different from mine 90% of the time. Uh, <laughs> and then, yes, well, also you, you, you test multiple devices, so, and it's possible because I don't have that experience. I can't really argue for that side, mainly because I'm not aware of it as much. Well, that's true. And, but I mean, like, I like your perception. I think the listeners appreciate your perception because as much as I try to see it from the consumer standpoint, you, I almost feel like you live that to a day-to-day -day standpoint of, you know, this is how I see it and this is how it's used. And I don't really see that being a major issue. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that part. Um, it's just frustrating for those of us who have had them or it's like in the other aspect to it is just it's a waste of cables because, you know, if you upgrade or if the charging clip changes from like a, an older Samsung generation to a newer one or a Pixel watch, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's that aspect to it. So, yeah, sure. But anyway, 
I just had to throw that out there because I felt like let's get our thinking caps going as we start <laughs> off this episode and uh, totally go from there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you had uh, some interesting is it AI information or what was it? Yeah, so we actually kind of discussed uh, a lot regarding iOS 17 before it released this year, and then it released, and uh, it turned out to be a lot different than we thought it would. We were thinking it was going to be a lot different. Yeah, we thought it was well. We were hoping uh, from some certain rumors that it would actually pertain to it being a sort of fixer-upper, making sure everything was a lot more cohesive, that yeah. the entire iOS was a lot less buggy, fixing all that stuff, stabilizing stuff. Yes. It did a little bit of that, but for most of it, it was just additional uh, stuff put into it, which was good. But we have rumors, actually, uh, and this is actually coming from a tech analyst that covers Apple supply chains for Hong Kong. His name is Jeff Poo. He says that next year could very well be the year that Apple hones in, and I think they actually have been honing in for a while now. They've just been yes. taking a slower process uh, yes. of cloud-based AI and so-called, quote, edge AI. On board, yeah. Yeah. And Ming-Chi Kuo kind of differs a little bit in opinion. He thinks that it's possible it may be actually till in 2025. Uh, he's kind of unclear on the timeline. He said that literally a couple months ago. And this could very well be part of iOS 18. So 18 could be the upgrade of AI, uh, if you would like to call it that. So um, honestly, I'm kind of the point where I just... I'm really with you in a sense of like, I want there to be that cohesive update where everything is just sort of smoothed over. It's, it just feels more thorough. It feels much better because there's still bugs in this from like iOS 16. I need a better structure. I need stability. I need yeah, something that I can count on. Absolutely. I don't need to be seeing bugs in a public release. And I mean, that's that stuff we've been talking about mm-hmm. episode after episode. So that's nothing new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, and I actually, if I were to, kind of throw my perception into this i feel like they should take ios 18 and prepare it for ios 19 for generative ai yes but at the same time take that time to work out any of the any of the bugs so that way by the time ios 19 comes it's ready to go and there should be at least less bugs to take care of and such that's what i think i'm totally willing to wait two years Mm -hmm. for generative ai because let's face it Apple is so far behind. I don't think one year is going to make a difference. No, I don't think so either. I mean, you look <laughs> so, at all of their tech technology and they're, they've yes. always been far behind. And that's mainly because that's been their choice. That's not because they have. Well, been they able live to by the practice up. of privacy. So that's yeah. the, the main aspect. Of yeah. It. And so I just, I, I, we, we've said it before and it's just like, if you keep adding on more stuff, you're going to not be able to fix that many bugs. And sure, some will be fixed right now and then there, but th- there's even the talk of with 17.1, it never fixed the Wi-Fi issue. Yeah. Uh, and it, we're just, it, it's annoying because from a, from a consumer, I want to be able to have a phone every day that, and you know, it doesn't be perfect because no phones are perfect, but at least have a a phone that's consistent that doesn't have as much issues as it normally does um but yeah it just it's kind of annoying but also pretty cool i am i am glad and i even saw a few comments that people are glad that apple's taking their time with ai 
which is good. Yes. I'm I'm at least glad that they're doing that because let's be honest with Apple, every time they do something super quick, it never tends to favor in their side. But yeah, um, yeah. which is kind of funny because they take so long to do stuff, and, <laughs> and then when they actually do it, <laughs> there's that aspect to it. So it's, it's like I, I just like, can you just stay on schedule and do yes. it right, or like what's the exactly? Issue? But um, yeah, we won't we won't harp on that. But any either way, obviously we haven't reached that point where we can get review units weeks ahead before the launch event. But yeah, from what we have seen from the event and more importantly, what others are saying during their limited time experience with the model, uh, the OnePlus Open, it seems to be quite an impressive mark in mm-hmm. the foldable market. For sure. Bearing in mind that, I mean, obviously, Riley, you can speak to this. Uh, they're clearly not for everyone, especially for those oh, yeah. that aren't able to muster up the <laughs> triple digit price tag that it carries. Exactly. Yes. But I mean, I've, I've heard mixed opinions on the cameras, uh, the primary sensor, which uses the pixel stack technology. Uh, yeah. Some are saying that it's amazing. Others say that it competes well against the other big two in the U.S., uh, the pixel mm-hmm. and the Z fold. But I mean, that said, I think that it should be expected that if you're spending that much money on a phone, the camera experience should be as close to flawless as you can get it. Precisely. I would agree. Yep. Do you have the specs there for the uh, the sensors? Yes, for the, the camera sensors. So for the main sensor, it's they, they've used a Sony LYT T808. Uh, it's a pixel stacked. Uh, yes. And the sensor size is one of 1.443. The megapixels are 48. And just from a face value, this thing actually looked really good. From the first images they shown, I was very skeptical because it yeah. seemed way too like post-processed and edited yes. and like that's normally a lot of them do. And then you yeah. had that one lady that's a, a photographer that came out and explained everything in actually a lot of detail and a lot of depth, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a photographer, so I really can't speak to all that. But uh, when she actually took those photos... It was true. I mean, it, it they really do. Uh, the, the main camera works very well. I think the the biggest thing that I took away because we what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at everyone's opinion or at least the, yes. a lot of the main reviewers yep. out there and look at their opinion and say, OK, what did they see? How did it compare just mm-hmm. in the camera section mm-hmm. alone? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's really important. Uh, anybody can make a foldable, it seems like nowadays, and have extra specs, which we'll get to some of that in a little bit. But right. uh, I feel like the camera is really important. And I think the main sensor did a really good job as well. I'm sure time will progress where things, you know, up- updates are released and it maybe improves. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, outside of that, I think. Uh, they definitely improved the uh, the megapixels on the additional sensors, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. And that one, the telephoto is actually 64 megapixels, or the ultrawide is 48. The telephoto uses OmniVision OV64B with a 3x optical zoom and a 6x. And uh, those zooms, by the way, wow. I was pretty blown away by just how much detail was able to be shown in that that mountain view or whatever. And they yeah. really switched your perception when they brought in that 0.6 ultra wide at the end. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's pretty good. Pretty blown away by that. I think even uh, uh, oh, there's one of the reviews that we, we saw was uh, oh, Michael Fisher. Yes. Uh, Mr. Mobile. He actually did some some zoom ins that looked really good. And I was yeah, pretty did. impressed by this. And yep. that's what that's what really shocked me is because I was very apprehensive about the, the OnePlus foldable that we were going to yes. see. Yes. Yep. Because that's their 
biggest problem is they can give you all the battery they can give you the hardware specs for you know ram and such and they can make it look really great even from a design standpoint which i have some controversy points to that Mm -hmm. but it was always the camera department that we had problems with that they Mm -hmm. weren't quite competing where they should be or that level that they should be at against the big three And, and i think the cool part which i'll go back to that main real quick was that they didn't go with the imx series because the thickness of it uh, would have protruded even further out yep. the back. And so they went with the, uh, what was it, the LTY, to uh, yes. to use that stacked pixel technology oh, to help with that and the lighting. So that was really, I was like, okay, they actually thought this crap through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the light that's able to be uh, perceived through the lens, it's basically yeah. double stacked, which is why it's called pixel stacked. And I was like, Okay, that's actually really interesting because normally you have to have a larger sensor. And in my mind, I always thought like if you're going to increase the quality of camera, you know, less grain, more sharpness, you need to have a bigger sensor. Yeah. I mean, OnePlus proved them wrong. That's proved my perception wrong or Sony did, I guess you could say. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> really cool. Honestly, the, yep. the cameras on this thing are just great I, for a fold they're better i think than the pixel fold and even the z, z fold 5 yeah. the z fold 5 yeah they're much better because their quality is just so smooth really well looked i mean i didn't have any i don't know if you had any major issues with i mean it. yeah it was i don't know i i felt like it was it, it, it held its own i'll just put it that way it held its own where you didn't feel like okay i definitely need to pick the you know z fold over this or i need to pick the pixel fold right over this. I, I i felt like it was you could look at all three of them and think uh, that one looks good that one i feel like has you know some good color contrasting some hdr maybe some more clarity when it zooms in. whatever it was i felt like I, what there wasn't one that was oh i absolutely hate it Right. The funny thing is, is I actually would love to see, uh, which this, I don't know if this will ever happen. I would love to see how you can incorporate what OnePlus has done here with the post image processing that Google offers. That yes. would be really. I was actually kind of because, thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That'd be. But um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with the cameras as far as so we have the internal selfie is a 20, me- 20 megapixel and the external cover selfie is a 32 megapixel. So overall, I feel like they did a really good job in trying to balance everything out. Mm-hmm. There's just there's a lot to like about this just from a general standpoint. Uh, I think we mentioned quite a few specs over the rumors, but I'll hit them real quick. Uh, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 storage, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. And then just some of the stuff that we saw, like the internal structure, very solid build quality. Yes. they. I know they emphasize the whole entire aerospace material, like the titanium alloy, carbon fiber, mm-hmm. zirconium, all that jazz. And we'll actually post this in the, um, in the description, but Mr. Mobile actually did a pre-video to his review about the phone being tested in yes. the factory and such. Yep. So we'll, that I feel like was even more critical because it kind of gave you an insight into maybe not even just how OnePlus made it, but how it's pretty common that, you know, Google or Samsung would build these foldables as well. Yes. And I think the biggest thing that got us all was minimal crease. I know, right? I was really shocked by that too. Yeah, I was not really expecting that because uh, that's, it felt like this was an extremely well-rounded product. Here's the thing is like, I, I would agree with you too. However, I would also like to say that OnePlus has a sister company, 
Oppo. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely would not doubt at all that they took a lot of the inspiration from that yes. phone and put it into this one. So I, I feel like you correct. could, yeah. yes, I feel like you could argue on both sides. Like, yes, this is their first generation. It's a really good one at that. But you can also argue on the other hand that like they, they took a lot from Oppo. It's been out in the field one. already. Yes. So I think both can be true at the same time. It's a great first generation, but there, there's a lot of stuff that can be taken from that. But yes. Yeah. And then, of course, they have the typical, you know, fingerprint reader and the power button, which oh, that's, yeah. that's pretty common nowadays with with foldables. So I'd kind of be bummed if they didn't have that just because unlocking a phone on a foldable can be a little bit more. <laughs> it's very quick. <laughs> just because too. of. Yeah. Yeah. Very quick. And I think the biggest thing was is being that it's kind of. I don't want to say bulky because I feel like the pixel fold is bulky, mm-hmm. but being yeah. that it's almost like a regular phone. Yeah. The weight. I was just going to say impressive as well. Very impressive. Yeah. I was shocked. And that's obviously on the uh, Voyager black only because they use that pleather in the back. So that like takes away 10 ounces The glass. But yeah. even still, like that's very impressive because that's unmatched towards pixel and well, especially pixel especially yeah. pixel yes that thing's because that one was thick. just heavy and bulky uh and yeah. samsung and i think even the magic v2 i think that one's about the same if i'm not mistaken so yeah lightweight uh and it, it, it kind of resembles a sort of candy bar phone where it's not yes. super thick but it's it still holds that similar weight even better than the iphone 14 pro max which is extremely impressive um but and it was actually kind of funny because my wife was watching this with me and both of us were about to say the exact same thing. It's I, we're so glad titanium's on the inside instead of the outside on this phone because you still get that weight loss without having to worry about any scratches or dents like another certain phone of which we will not say or discuss uh, for lack of time. But uh, yeah, very impressive uh, for that. What that do you sense. think about the virtual canvas? Because I felt like the internal software, that, that was well thought through as well. Oh, that was genius. I've seen that sort of moving around those desktop parts in that sort of mode where it's like you move and you have to be very careful where you put it. But with this, a lot of efficiency can be done with that. And that's something yeah. I've never really seen with another phone, especially a, a fold uh, where there's just you can do so much work around your uh, your work efficiency increases by a whole lot because you're able to do a lot more in the phone. But it's also done in a way that's clean and organized, it's intuitive. You can understand it. It makes sense. It's not stressful. I loved this. This is like one of the, my favorite things that I saw about this phone uh, with regards to uh, videos that we that I watched and, you know, the actual event. But, yeah, I loved that for sure. I mean, I know there's there's a lot to say about this, and I know that I'm sure come a few weeks from now, we're probably going to find some issues, maybe internal or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. or maybe there's some software bugs that are going to surface. But overall, I have to say that on first impression from the event and from what we're seeing and the reactions, uh, this really challenges the competition to be like, okay, we, we we just can't throw out a foldable anymore. We have to offer something that is compelling for the consumer beyond just the screen can fold. We're past that. Now, Samsung's been past that for five generations and they still have a crease for crying out loud. <laughs> or let's also, I should say a noticeable crease. Exactly. So yes. that, that's really what I took from this. And I really wish I could test this. Uh, I've got quite a lot of products that I have to go through and test before I could probably even get to this one. How about the price though? 1700 1700 Yeah. 
it's expensive and this is still an issue that everyone every single reviewer said it's it's still too high but but the thing about this and they offer this for anyone who wants this phone trade in any phone and you get $200 back and even some other credits from like Amazon or whatever. Yeah. And that could be, and it goes up to a thousand dollars. So basically that's already 200 bucks off with any phone, which brings it right down to 1500 still a bit yep. too much, but that's close to what you'd expect from an iPhone 15 pro max. Um, and yeah. so yeah, pricing is, mm, it's all right, depending it's, on it's how you up look there. at it. It's 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 about the 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 max that I would see. I'm I'm glad they didn't go over, but then again, OnePlus is not necessarily one to go over. They always try to stay competitive with pricing. They do, yes. Um, and I think with that trade, I believe that's uh through their website though. Yes, that um, is. I'm not only. sure. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's that's still great to have though, just to see like, mm-hmm. okay, I can at least get a minimum of two hundred dollars and a trade in value on well, virtually any phone, and then yep. kind of bring that down to help with. Okay, now I have this foldable. And, and I think that's the key thing is like, it's, it's no longer just about bragging rights to say, I own a foldable. Like, how does it impact your life? And like you were saying with the productivity, that's the biggest thing. Like exactly. this, is, this is for yeah. the power user. And so I think the power user is okay with that price. Mm-hmm. Mainstream yep. consumers, yeah, that's, that's you and I for the most part right now. And so we're kind of looking at like, oh my gosh, this is, this is pretty crazy. But I mean, for those, those people that are trying to stay on top of things and have that productive lifestyle with work and whatever. Yes. It really does check a lot of those boxes. So um, a couple things I didn't like about it real quick. One was that the alert slider is pitched way too high on the side of the phone. And that yeah, is that's a good point. Almost as if OnePlus is daring you to reach that far to use the button. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not really sure what the internal layout is that caused them to do that or if it was just they wanted to make it high enough that it wouldn't be confused with another button. I have no idea. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I don't know. The the other thing was that the camera housing on the back is a bit of a point of controversy and oh, yeah. something that I'm not the biggest fan of. Some probably won't care. Others may love it. I'm neither of the two. I got For you. starters, they put one of the sensors at the top of the circle instead of in the middle right. So if you look at it, it's almost giving that illusion that there's like a sideways smiley face on the camera <laughs> being that it's in like a, a circle. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so well, yeah, I mean, and that's, I was like, why in the world did he do that? And then the other aspect of that is it has a decently thick, uh, quote unquote brushed metal ring around the housing and it just mm-hmm. makes it feel that much bigger. And I'm sure it's right. probably due to like protection against the glass shield and whatnot, but I just didn't feel like it actually benefited the overall aesthetics of the rear. And then, of course, you have that flash that's just randomly placed up on the top left outside of the circle. So that's not as bad, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, I kind of uh, would agree with you there. I, the, I think I agreed with one of the reviewers that I was listening to when he said that the OnePlus 11 did it really well where it wasn't too out there. It was a little smaller and it was sort of smoothed over on the left side. Yeah. I wish they would have done that here, but maybe they had to make some modifications to increase that it's like if this is true which i don't know what it is would you rather have a better camera and this big sensor or a less better camera right and a smaller sensor yep. so and i feel like you kind of have to make 
you know, pick your battles there with this phone. Um, so yeah, and that's why it's just one of those things at the end that you're like, okay, this is what I wish they could have done. But like to your you point, kind of it's, it's what can be done. Yes. And I think to your point where you said, could they move it over to the left? Uh, obviously the 11 is not a foldable. It doesn't have to worry about a hinge. So there's less mechanisms there that need to be addressed when, you know, throwing in camera sensors and whatnot. So Right. There's just a lot to contemplate when it comes to development and design and stuff like that. So, but that, those are just a couple of things that stood out to me. And if that's what stood out to me, <laughs> at least this far, we're on a pretty good that is true. <laughs> pace for a really nice foldable and something that could be even more improved with uh, future iterations and generations for to sure. come. So yep. moving on from the star of the show here with the OnePlus Open the FCC is doing some interesting things in that they are requiring um, major telecommunication companies to be more transparent mm-hmm. about pricing packages, speeds, and whatnot. And it was kind of funny because they threw it in this sort of nutrition facts, quote unquote, <laughs> yes. uh, layout of promotions, pricing, like I said, speeds and stuff like that. And it's like they're treating these companies as children. Like, if you guys can't do it, this is what you need to bring forth to help consumers be more at ease about what they're getting. And in my opinion, I think it's good. Mm -hmm. I I, I like the fact that I can have more transparency and understand exactly, okay, here's the promotion. Here's how long it's going to last. Here's, you know, what the price is going to be when the promotion ends, et cetera, et cetera. The problem I have is it doesn't address one of the biggest issues that one of the largest companies in the U.S. takes advantage of. Charter has this nasty habit of increasing the pricing year after year. This is not even promotions. Yes, Year after year, they will increase the pricing by like five or ten bucks. And so a person who's been with Charter for like six years is paying 20 or 25 dollars more than a person who's had it for, you know, after one year. And that's my biggest issue. And I hate it because it trains consumers to be a pain in the butt so they can get the price back down to what it was originally. Yes. Not promo, but the original base price of what everyone else should be paying. Correct. And I'm like, why are you trying to train people? Because like, you literally have to go to like the retention center and stuff like that. And we've talked about this before. It really irritates me, and I don't feel like companies should be treating consumers that way and increasing the prices year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just agreed. keep it the same way, especially when you know that you have to be a pain in the butt and you can get that price back down. Just keep it that way. Why Why do we have to do that? Why? Why is that such a problem for this company to treat customers like crap, especially when they're the ones that have been with you longer than the rest? So... Yeah, but I'm not sure if you had any positive or negative takeaways from from that. But I mean, hopefully, maybe some more steps will improve how that transparency works. Yeah, I have a a quick little thing, but I I did want to agree with you there. I do think it's a disservice to customers when you pull some stunts like that. Yeah, it's it's almost rude in a sense because you're you're disrespecting those guys, like you said, that have been there for a while. And I just because, you know, it's it's going to happen where they're going to lower the price, obviously, because they don't want to lose anybody. Well, if you don't want to lose anybody, then don't lower the price at all. Like it's it's common sense. It really is. And people that take advantage of that is just 
it's horrible uh but but i did want to mention this one little line here uh quote in august cable and telecom companies pushed back on the fcc's orders to include the disclosure arguing that the labels would only confuse customers. I think that's a bunch of bogus. Like, really, you're going to say that it's this... It's so hard to be transparent with these people. I know. Like, that's just going to be so confused. I'm like, come on, people. Just shut that's- up. <laughs> they, you know, you can See read between I mean? the lines. You know, they, 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 the FCC is treating them like children because they're acting like children. Exactly. I mean, really, yes. you can't be transparent with consumers. You think it's going to be that confusing? We're not idiots. If anything, it's more confusing to us because we're wondering why the price is going up $5 every year. <laughs> <laughs> and and this kind of takes out that middleman of trying to figure out which one is the policy that's best for you. And maybe you do want the higher tier. That's great for you. But some people may not be able to afford that. And especially if you're increasing the price five dollars every year, that's even another thing you add on. And it's just when you do this, it's really good. And, and the thing about this is it's going to happen anyway. I feel like, yeah, in response to this, these companies should not be funny against. In fact, they should be putting do adding more so that way it looks like to consumers oh you guys are actually putting even more into this i trust you even more than i did when the fcc was trying to require this of you the the funny thing is is when i look at this it makes me think of show me the carfax yes because when i go to a website for you know telecommunications i'm going to see something like they're like the fcc nutrition facts or something Mm -hmm. like that or i'm sure they'll name it something else when actually comes to fruition but um and i'm going to see that and then i get to see the comparison and stuff and I think I think part of the problem is is it's going to feed into the competition of oh this company is lower or whatnot and it's going to make it easier for people to leave or go. But at the same time, when you think about it, not everyone has like access to certain companies like AT and T's no. fiber or Charter's cable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like so there's there's only there's limitations to it all, but. We'll have to see how that, yeah. that you know, all unfolds. But um, before we transition to the last topic, it kind of leans into the closeout. Uh, Tesla officially launches their API for Tesla onboard software, basically eliciting the ability for a future quote unquote app store. Oh, okay. And I'm kind of curious how this is going to, um, you know, lay out in the future and how things will develop. But it's definitely worth noting just because I think it's there's going to be a limited amount of developers on this when it does kind of yes, I would evolve agree. just because I know how Musk is and I know how things are going to take place with. And a lot of this is going to be based around businesses and such and how it, it's communicating with the cars and the employees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Not sure how well this is going to integrate with like the consumer level and basic apps and stuff that you and I would use. But right. it's, it's just worth noting that, yeah, that the API is actually official. So there'll probably be more information on that in the future. In either case, that transitions right into a interesting topic on cars or a car yeah the apple car to be more specific basically apple has been given the uh patent and this is a broken record at this point but patents don't mean anything necessarily it could be just a hoax and they've just they're just wanting the patent so it may not actually become true but apple's claimed to patent for using vision pro to see outside of an apple car or other self-driving vehicle without windows um, this is kind of a scary almost thing, and it probably won't happen just because of how insane the, this idea is. But uh, I'll, I'll just kind of read the, these two paragraphs to you because this comes actually straight from the horse's mouth. So, a VR system 
may include at least one VR controller that generates virtual content for projection to passengers, and at least one projector mechanism for projecting or displaying virtual frames to at least one window of the vehicle to thus provide 3D virtual views to passengers. In either case, the 3D virtual views may include views of the passenger's environment, including the environment outside the vehicle, augmented with the virtual content, e.g. virtual objects, virtual tags, etc., or alternatively may provide immersive VR environments that may include visual cues of the environment outside the vehicle. It goes on to say, embodiments of the VR system may integrate inputs from a number of sources, including but not limited to vehicle internal and external sensors, e.g. depth cameras, LIDAR, and video cameras. Vehicle HMD inertial measurements, excuse me, units, uh, vehicles control systems such as throttle, control, braking, steering, navigation, and active suspension systems, world maps, 3D models, video, audio, and other information from external sources. So it seems like Apple's actually put a lot of thought into this specific patent. And whether this becomes true or not, it's it's interesting kind of discuss what would what would it be if you were actually able to see outside your car while it's driving? Hopefully not the pass at the actual driver, because that's just kind of dangerous. Um, but that technology, I I see it being plausible. Definitely not right now, obviously. I don't think it's there yet. But it's it's interesting to consider all of that because, I mean, I wouldn't even be able to think that this was possible like a few years ago, but now this is kind of coming to that point of reality, no pun intended. So I don't know what you think about this. I, I think it's a, a pretty cool concept. I think this is a patent that I don't think this is going to go to the warehouse. I don't think so either. I think this is something that will actually happen maybe five years, probably seven years down the road. It depends because we know how Apple is. It takes them a while to do things. But something like this, they are envisioning a world that, like I said before, it kind of brings me back to like the whole Audi thing with iRobot. They're envisioning a world where it's meant to encourage a luxurious feel. Yes. Something that we have felt that we don't need Mm -hmm. because it's too far out. It's probably going to be one heck of a price tag. And it's it's something that we probably don't trust. Correct. And so they're going to go through a lot of development. They're going to go through a lot of phases. And we've already heard about, you know, all the people that are on the team that this is kind of behind the scenes and stuff. There's that aspect to it. The one thing that I liked that was noted in that article, I don't think it's worth like quoting or anything. It's more like a paraphrase. But they said that they would prefer a way where the windows would be dimmed versus actually having a windowless vehicle. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I actually like that because it, it allows you to s- switch from virtual reality to actual reality. Yes. There actually needs to be literal windows that can dim and then they can be screens and of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's clearly plausible, but it's going to take a lot. Yes. And I'm agree. wondering, and that's why I say it's going to be quite a few years off because- we're not, I don't think we're ready for the pricing. No. And if some are, then it questions who is this for? And I think you can kind of assume, like I said, it's going to be more for the people who are, you know, leaning towards the luxurious aspects of life. Yeah. And there's probably other things that fall into this that we're not even thinking about right now and how that plays into this quote unquote vehicle. But it could it it could be really cool because you could just be on on a ride and stuff like that, and you know going somewhere, 
and you know kids in the back could just enjoy it the the motion sickness that they talked about was in kind of interesting how they're going to alleviate that mm-hmm. i don't i'm not one that gets motion sickness however i'm going to say that i don't trust that because <laughs> the vr headset it, it's going to take a lot to actually yeah. counteract what you're seeing versus what you're feeling and yep. because it's going to take a lot, there's going to be a lot of cost accounted for it. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, those are my thoughts on it. I, um, like I said, I don't think this one's going to be pushed to the, to the back so, or either. anything like that. I think, I think it's going to happen. I just, it's, it's a matter of when, because we, we've talked about how many patents we have not seen come to fruition. I mean, there's been stuff with the Apple watch. There's been stuff with iPhones. Um, I mean, I think the Apple glasses are still something that we could possibly see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my take on it. I'm not sure if you had any other closing thoughts on it, but yeah. No, not really. I, I am still excited for this Apple car, even though won't be able to afford it, but it'll be cool to see the final product. I mean, yeah, I just want the basic stuff. I'm not even asking for like all of the VR crap. Yeah, there's going to be a basic, then a Pro, Pro Max, all that stuff we know. But Pro Max is like the SUV for those who aren't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but in either case, yeah, that will close out this week's uh, episode of Debatable. We'll definitely put some links in the description below for the OnePlus Open, maybe a key review that we felt like was worth sharing with you guys. And I know probably a handful of you can't even afford that model, but at least we know where the photo market is going towards mm-hmm. and what we can look forward to and possibly how we can see other people, other companies, you know, Google, Samsung, Apple, whenever that comes into play, uh, can up their game. So Absolutely. with that being said, we will catch you guys in the next one. This is JD and Riley signing off. Peace out. <laughs>